You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER me Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Hey, everybody. Robert Evans here. Um, obviously, as I'm sure everyone is being bombarded with, the war in Ukraine is uh, in its fifth day right now, something like that. Um, we just passed 96 hours. Uh, by some accounts, more than 300,000 people have been made refugees. Those are going to be very inexact numbers, but it's it's likely to be somewhere between like 50 and 100,000 people per day being made refugees, and it's possible that's going to last for the foreseeable future. Much of the coverage that you will have seen at this point um, is going to focus on heroic pieces of, of, of resistance, you know, things that Ukrainian civilians picking up arms, throwing Molotov cocktails, Ukrainian soldiers destroying Russian armored columns. Some of that's going to be propaganda, some of that, a decent amount of that's actually happening, obviously. We have a fair amount of documentation. But what I think has not gotten nearly as much play is the situation at the border of Ukraine and Poland. Um, because uh, this refugee crisis is enormous, but it's also not sexy. And it points to a number of things that are ugly about some of the stuff that people like to celebrate in this conflict, including the conduct of President Zelensky, who has, I think, handled himself objectively well as a wartime leader, and who has also, as you'll hear in the interview that's about to follow, made some decisions that have had a catastrophic impact on people's lives. So this is an interview conducted by a journalist 
uh, James Stout, who is working with us on this project and with a, another project that I'll be launching soon, with a person, uh, an individual, an American, who was, uh, well, has a couple of different passports, but with a, a, a person who was in Ukraine when the invasion began and left and eventually wound up leaving on foot with tens of thousands of, of other people uh, for the Polish border. So this is a story of what it is like to flee a country at the beginning of a war um, and, and the realities that increasing numbers of Ukrainians are going to be facing every single day. So please listen. Hi there. Hey, Manny. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Sorry to keep you up late. I'm sure you're exhausted. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I actually just arrived at a new hostel in a new city, um, and uh, I'm going to be up for a couple more hours anyway, so it's a good time to talk. Nice. Great. Uh, do you mind if I record this? Go ahead. Cool. Excellent. Um, let me just explain what we're going to do. So I'm uh, I'm writing a piece for NBC on the, uh, the, the refugee situation that's emerging, and I'm also uh, helping to make a podcast for iHeartRadio uh, about a similar thing. So uh, if it's okay with you, we'll use the audio for one and then some of your words for another. Absolutely. How is my audio coming through? It's great, actually. It's really, really good. Um, are you on Excellent. a telephone or are you on a computer? I'm on a telephone right now. I don't have a computer with me. Cool. No, you're doing really well. Uh, if you're on a computer, I'd ask you to record a backup, but uh, I, this is just fine. I'm recording. Uh, so, yeah, like... Um, it seems like you've had a pretty exhausting 48 hours now. Um, so if we go back to when you were in Kiev, right? Yeah, uh, so I was in Kiev a few days ago. I was in okay. Kiev um, uh, eight days ago. Um, and then I went to Lviv uh, four days ago. Okay. Uh, and had you been, how long had you been in Ukraine? I had been, I've been in Ukraine, or I had been in Ukraine in total for one week. Okay, so yeah, not that long. It, uh, and you, so you arrived in Kiev, you went to Lviv. Can you remember, like, where you were when you found out that the invasion was happening and that it was going to go past Donbass and into Ukraine? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I woke up on the morning of 24 February. Uh, to the sound of air raid sirens outside, and it was a very confusing sound. I had never heard air raid sirens in real life. I just heard them in movies and television shows and such, and I knew immediately what had happened. I didn't even have to check the news. Um, and I did check the news soon afterward, and there were bombings all over the country. There were reports of bombings in Ivano-Frankivsk, which is a, a city 100 kilometers south of Lviv, where I was. And there were so many rumors flying around. Uh, there were rumors that the Russians were com coming to Lviv at that moment, which was not the case, but can still be the case very soon. Anyway, so uh, we he I heard these, these air raid sirens as I woke up, and I shook awake my roommate, who's a British journalist, um, and I told him we might be bombed any minute. Uh, so we went outside to try and find a shelter. Um, pretty much still in our night clothes, we went outside to try and find a shelter. And there were loudspeakers saying, uh, everybody remain calm, find shelter, help the elderly, stockpile water. And it was repeating this on repeat. And people were shuffling along. There was a sense of uh, muted panic. So it wasn't outright panic, but it was a sense of uh, urgency, I guess you could call it. And um, we were at war. And that was when I realized that uh, Ukraine was being invaded at that very moment. Wow. Yeah, it sounds dramatic. And at that point, you 
went to the shelter, I'm guessing. So did you spend some time there before making the decision to head to Poland? So after about 15 minutes, the air raid siren stopped. Uh, the news generally came around the city that Lviv was not about to be bombed. But nevertheless, a massive uh, exodus of people began from Lviv at that moment because, okay, we're safe for now, but for how long are we safe uh, was the general sentiment that was around. So um, everybody just started making for the train station, the bus station. Uh, they got in their cars. Uh, people were just leaving. Uh, there were huge lines at the ATMs. There were huge lines at the uh, uh, grocery stores. People were buying non-perishables. Um, it was just a, uh, not a panic full out, I would call it, but it was an urgent departure. It was an urgent exodus that was happening. Uh, and so me and my roommate, we went to the train station, uh, waited in line for two hours to see if there were tickets. There were no tickets. We went to the bus station. We waited in line for one hour to see if there were tickets. There were no tickets. Um, and so th then we started to get a little worried because it was noon on the day of the invasion. Russian forces were everywhere in the country. There were bombings everywhere in the country. And we had to leave. And there was no uh, viable means to leave. The airport was closed, of course. The airport was being bombed a few hours later. Um, and so we tried to look into car hire. We tried to see if we could rent a car. We tried to see if we could take an Uber or a Lyft or a blah, blah car, which is the Ukrainian uh, version of Uber. And uh, none of those options were available uh, because everybody was thinking the same thing. And in a sense of almost resigned despair, we decided that it would be best to just start walking west and see what happened. And it was around noon when we began to walk west. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go. So when you, you set off to walk, did you just sort of take what you could carry? And was that sort of what most people were doing? Or did you get the sense that at least the people were like preparing for a long period of time away when they left? The people certainly were not preparing for a long period of time away. The people were not preparing for war. Um, for the longest time, President Zelensky and the Ukrainian government maintained that there would be no war. They called indications of war alarmist. They called them uh, ludicrous. And uh, it was only in the final 24 hours that everybody sort of woke up and said there's going to be a war. So I remember the last day before the invasion, people were getting ready. People were waiting at the ATMs. People were buying groceries. People were packing. But it was not before, before that time, nobody was getting ready for the war. And so when the war struck, everybody, uh, everybody just sort of left hastily. And it was a terrifying departure, a sudden and terrifying departure because people didn't know what to do. And they just sort of grabbed what they had and they ran. Luckily for me and my roommate, we were traveling with, you know, just one pack or so, uh, because we were, we were not living in Ukraine. Um, and so we were able to just carry what we had on our backs. Yeah. So talk me through that walk then. It's, uh, I think I saw it's like 43 miles. Is that right? That's, that's right. So we did take a municipal bus a little bit of the way. We took a municipal bus, I believe it was five kilometers down the road. Um, five kilometers being like three miles down the road. Um, and the total distance from Lviv to the border is 80, uh, 80 kilometers, sorry, 80 kilometers. Uh, so that really did not make a dent at all in the distance. And it was noon when we started. And we knew for a fact that, um, that we would not make it before nightfall. And we knew that and we were terrified of that. So at first we walked along. The countryside was picturesque. It was beautiful. It was indistinguishable from uh, holiday uh, during springtime. It was a fair, fair weather, it was sunny, um, and no one could even tell that the nation was at war. There was really nobody else 
uh, walking on the road besides us uh, in the beginning, in the first uh, 20 kilometers, I would say. Um, and then we started seeing long lines at the petrol stations. Uh, every Everywhere was out of gas. There were, Nobody had gas. Um, there was just no ability to fuel cars. And as a consequence of that, um, cars were running out of gas and they were being abandoned on the side of the road, which caused further traffic pileups and Soon the road was impenetrable to vehicles. Um, and so because of this, uh, everybody started getting out of their cars and walking. And so these families who had planned to escape Ukraine to Poland in their cars and carry their lives with them were suddenly faced with the hard decision of taking what they could carry with them. Yeah, that, that just sounds terrible. That sounds really difficult. Um, I'm sure you saw like older folks and younger people as well, were people sort of um, struggling to... Because that's a long walk, right? That's not a walk that everyone can do. So that must have been very difficult. It's a difficult walk for a young man, and many old women and little children under the age of five were forced on this march uh, because there really was no other option for them. It was either go back to Ukraine and risk being bombed, risk being under uh, Russian occupation, or it was get out of your car and walk in the winter time with no food or water, no toilet. Uh, 450 miles um and it was just this nightmare scenario because all these people were on the road there were people in wheelchairs who couldn't negotiate the mud there were mothers with strollers who couldn't uh get the get the children um out and the children were crying and the children were asking why are we here what are we doing why did we have to leave home and stand and walk 50 miles in the middle of winter um and the old people were sort of resigned to it they there was one old woman uh, I passed who was uh, using a cane and she was hobbling along. She had a backpack. And I asked her, where are you going? Uh, because we were, apart, we were a long, long way from the border. And she said, I'm going to Poland. Very simply. It was a very matter-of-fact um, statement. And so these people walked with a sense of duty and a sense of urgency. And um, it was just a very tragic humanitarian scene. Yeah, I can imagine. And that was a major that was a major route that you were on, right? Like a major road that just become impassable. It wasn't one of the bigger highways, but it was, I believe, the M11, the Ukrainian M11, and uh, it runs east to west throughout the country. And uh, yeah, it's one of the major roads. Okay. Yeah. And it had become completely clogged. Yeah. Jesus. So uh, on arrival in in Poland or at the border. Um, I understand that there's some uh, that men uh, like broadly defined as like military age, right? Eighteen to sixty, I think, aren't allowed yes. to leave because they they have they have to stay in it and enlist. Is that right? Did you see? Yes, the border was absolutely the worst part for that reason. About five kilometers from the border, at the end of our walk, we were feeling relieved. We were feeling like finally we've made it. Ukrainian military patrols started walking by and driving by and announcing through loudspeakers and announcing with their own voices, um, all men must stay. Uh, all men between the ages of 18 and 60 have to stay, get out of line now. And so the fathers naturally asked, because there were a lot of fathers who were there to protect their families, to safeguard their families, and to provide for their families. Uh, these fathers asked, how about us? We have, we have little children. We have children under the age of five. How are we supposed to provide for them if you conscript us right here? The Ukrainian army did not care. They pulled them away physically from their families. Wow. There were a lot of tears. There was a lot of crying. There were a lot of hurried goodbyes. Brothers left sisters. Mothers left uh, husbands. Um, 
lovers left each other. People, people just left. It was terrifying to watch. Um, yeah, all these men were conscripted immediately into the army. Yeah, I can imagine. And were people at that point like? It seems like they were relatively stoic up to that point. Were, were people sort of resisting that? Like, just were they like sort of sad but resigned to it? Was it a mixture? Of that was things? that. Well, that was when the panic began, um, because everybody was sad but resigned to their fate yeah. of walking to Poland, but nobody was prepared for losing all the men. Yeah. Um, so when all the men were lost when all the men were taken forcibly and this was public, everybody could see these men being yanked from their families. Uh, people first started yelling at the soldiers that didn't do anything, obviously. Um, and they, they were, they were so angry at the soldiers and the soldiers were, didn't care. Um, and then panic began because people realized, Oh my God, this, this person who was here with us, who was our travel companion, who's our relative. Now we have to leave without him. And even more, he's going to the front now and he, is in great danger at the front. So people began pushing, they began shoving, they began being rude to one another. Um, there, there was no sense of empathy among the people at all because it was a panic to get across the border at that point. Um, so there were people fainting uh, and that was really just overlooked. The, the people who fainted were sort of dragged to the side and left there and I, I think they they made it. I don't know if they made it out okay. Uh, they certainly didn't die. Uh, but there were people who were fainting. There were people who were sobbing. There were people who were hyperventilating. There was vomiting going on. It was just this sense of absolute human panic as people just tried to escape in the last uh, in the last five kilometers and especially in the last five hundred meters was the very worst. Wow. So, yeah, terrible thing to see. If you, I understand you've stayed in touch with one of the lads who was conscripted, right? Have you heard any yes, more from uh, that, that was a development from tonight. Um, yeah, tell me uh, about that. So while we were walking, uh, about this was about 15 kilometers out from the border, we met a young Ukrainian man, um, and we just got to talking to him because, I mean, we could relate to him. We were about, I'm, I'm about the same age as him, um, and so I, uh, we were just like sort of talking about our lives, and it was almost as if the war wasn't going on. And then we got to these army checkpoints, um, and they started calling all the men. You have to, you have to leave. Um, and so my friend said, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I don't want to fight in this war." And he tried to, you know, sort of um, stay with us uh, because we were foreigners. We were not, we were not eligible to be conscripted. Right. So he sort of tried to stay with us. He was, um, he was a student. He was trying not to fight in this war because he had a life elsewhere. He had a girlfriend uh, who he who he was traveling with. Um, and so we. We were walking with him and I said, hey, do you want to do an interview? He said, sure. Um, and I started talking to him on camera and then a soldier came by and yelled in his direction, hey, you get out of line. And um, he said, I'm sorry, I have to go. And he just gave me this look, like this despairing look, and he went with the soldier. Um, so the, uh, two days later, today, tonight, uh, he messaged me on Instagram and he said, uh, because we, by the way, we had exchanged contact information while we were talking. Um, he messaged me on Instagram, and he said, "Hey, I saw that you mentioned me in uh, in your Twitter because I told him about the Twitter as well." Um, and he said, "Just letting you know, I'm safe uh, in Lviv. I'm not in the East fighting the Russians. Um, I am in Lviv, and I am safe. And it is my knowledge that he may have escaped conscription because he would otherwise be in the East, but." Um, 
I'm not sure. Uh, I just know that he was safe right now, and he confirmed that he was safe. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you're not sure whether he's sort of doing training or whether he's in some rear echelon role or if he's managed to get out of it somehow. I know that he has managed to escape the brunt of the fighting with the Russians. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good for him, but uh, still a terrible thing to have to deal with. So, it's my understanding, is there visa, there's visa-free entry into Poland right now, is that right? That people can walk across the border? Yes, the, the entry into Poland was an absolute breeze compared to the exit from Ukraine. I don't know why, but you have to wait in a long line in Ukraine for an exit visa, just for permission to leave the country. And so, as I mentioned, that was the worst part, because they were only letting... 10 people out every 20 minutes, 10 people get an exit visa every 20 minutes, and there were at least 2,000 people at the border with us. Wow. And so that's that's where this panic happened, is because every time they open that gate, 20, every 20 minutes, and by the way, this is like 2 in the morning in the cold weather, and people are, as I mentioned, crying, vomiting, fainting. Um, and so every time they open that gate, the, there was a human crush to get to that gate, and they closed it and they forced the people back. And then it was another 20 minutes before it happened again. And this happened all night long. Um, and this was literally just to get permission to exit the country. It was ludicrous. It was insane. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I'm sorry to divert from your question, but it's very interesting. Poland was extremely easy to enter. There was no visa process. They understood. They they let us through. I think they just barely looked at our passports. Um, so, yeah, it was it was easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Were you, at that point, like, obviously you had no plans or, or places to go, so, like, did they house you? Was there some kind of refugee housing that they put you in? Uh, not when I was there. Um, they did do that. They did implement that about 12 hours after I arrived. Um, but when I arrived, uh, we were greeted immediately, pretty much right out of the border facility with, uh, donuts and tea. Um, and so they gave us donuts, they gave us tea. Um, and then they said, Hey, there's a bus to, uh, Premishil, which is the city about 15 kilometers west of the border, um, where all the refugees are gathering. And they said, there's a bus to Premishil leaves every 15 minutes. And we got on that bus. Um, and then we ended, we arrived in Premishil, and at that time, refugees were responsible for their own accommodation. Uh, we managed to book a room in a hotel with eight other refugees um, in the room. Uh, and so I was sleeping in this this room with eight other refugees. They didn't want to talk to me. They were kind of despondent. They lost everything. And so they were just very sad the entire time uh, that I was there. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question about housing real quick... Uh, about 12 hours after we arrived, they began setting up tents for the refugees, and that is where many of the refugees are living now, are in tents. Okay. Is that, do you know if that's a Polish government or the Red Cross, or is that citizens of Poland? I have no idea which organization did that, but I can tell you that I did not see a single Red Cross or United Nations representative while I was in Poland. Okay, interesting. Yeah, they can be sometimes a little slow to react. Um, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you then stayed in that hostel. You, you weren't able to really talk to the people there. It's understandable. They probably had a very, very difficult 24 hours. Um, we all had had, yeah. So yeah. Was, I mean, no talking was being had, pretty much. Did you get a sense when, as you met the people walking there, crossing the border, etc., were people, did they have plans to be gone from Ukraine? Were they thinking, where can I stay for a long period of time? Were they thinking... I'm going to wait this out in Poland and see. Right. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that a good half of the people that I spoke to in that in that convoy, in that refugee uh, caravan, had relatives either in Poland or elsewhere in Europe. Um, and so they were all they had all called their relatives and they had arranged uh, them to go to Western Europe and meet their relatives. OK. Yeah. So they've got a place they're planning to, to at least stay yes. for a while. However, another half of them have no plans whatsoever and they're terrified. And those are the refugees that I stayed with in that hotel last night, um, mm-hmm. is that they're terrified and they have no place to go. Yeah. Right. And no one's really provided them with one yet. Um, no. Yeah. That's difficult. And it seems like, I don't know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the United States reacts because it hasn't really done very much so far. 
Um, it's amazing. I heard that the U- the reason I crossed at that place rather mm-hmm. than any other place is that I heard that the U.S. Army was there, and I did not see the U.S. Army. I searched for them, and I did not find them. So I don't know where the U.S. is. Okay. Yeah, you haven't seen any any evidence of like any seems like no sort of uh, NGOs or government sort of aid for refugees yet. Then it's kind of surprising, as I mentioned. I haven't seen any UN representative, any Red Cross representative, any WHO representative. Um, uh, I haven't seen any NGO or governmental representatives. I did see, of course, Polish re- government representatives at the border, but that was about it. Right. Is that from Polish people? Do you get a sense of sort of solidarity? Like how- yes. Okay, good. Talk, talk yes, about how they perceived you. So it, it was actually amazing to see. It was heartwarming to see the citizens of Prejmandil are now swamped. Their population has been uh, doubled or tripled by the uh, incoming Ukrainian refugees. And yet they are showing great amounts of solidarity. I actually attended a solidarity rally today um, where the citizens of Prejmandil got together and they said, Ukraine is our, our brothers and Putin is clearly in the wrong and we will stand with them. We will show solidarity with them. And that, that was heartwarming to see. I talked with a few of those uh, polls at that rally, and they said, yeah, we knew this was coming, and we prepared for it, and we are ready to take in as many as is necessary. Yeah, that's really nice to hear, actually, that these people are sort of showing solidarity with each other and support with each other. And yes. Yeah, so when you were on your way west, I presume that like the uh, the conflict didn't catch up with you, right? You weren't sort of subject to like indirect fire or you didn't see any of that? No. However, there was um, about 50 kilometers behind us a bombing, as I mentioned. Uh, We did not hear it, uh, but there were reports of the fighting going on all the time, but it did not catch up to us while we were in that, uh, while we were in that caravan. And um, it would have been absolutely terrifying if it had, but I'm glad that it didn't. Right. Yeah. And then so you've been there for about a week. Had you previously been doing some reporting in Ukraine? Uh, I have never done reporting in Ukraine before, but when I came to Ukraine and the war had not yet started, uh, I was mostly just doing interviews with civilians about what they thought about the possibility of war, about what they thought about the war in Donbass. Um, most a lot of cultural stuff. It was kind of boring. I mean, not that not that war is interesting or fun, but. It was uh, not really much of a story. Um, so I was just doing interviews with people about basic Ukrainian things, and then the war found us. So right, and it seemed to have come as much of a shock to them as it did to to the rest of us. As I mentioned, nobody was prepared for war until about twenty four hours before it hit, and that's when the Ukrainian government said, "Yes, there will be a war," and everybody began sort of to to have a sense of urgency about them. Right. Did you see any of the like citizen militias and citizens preparing for defense, like the people who decided to stay? Yes. Uh, I didn't see any of the militias, but I was, went into a Ukrainian gun shop in Kiev, mm-hmm. and there was a line uh, almost out the door. People were buying guns. Um, and I asked one of the people in the line, uh, why are you buying a gun? And he said, if the Russians come, I want to be prepared. So... Uh, a lot of people are buying guns privately in Kiev, uh, at least as of last week. Okay, so they they weren't waiting for the government to supply them; they were supplying themselves with guns. I believe I believe the government supply was a rather uh, 
um, sudden decision. I don't think the Ukrainian people were counting on it, and so they were supplying themselves. Yeah. And they're buying like uh, like Kalashnikov to the rifles, or like we talked about hunting <laughs> rifles. And... Uh, yeah, you can't buy Kalashnikovs in a gun store. They were buying okay. sort of hunting rifles and shotguns. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly under-equipped. All right. So they they were just prepared to try to get anything they could get their hands on to look after themselves and their families. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I bought pepper spray. <laughs> yeah, better than nothing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there was, there was. Did you see like of the people you walked with? Was it? Did families tend to leave as a whole, or did did some folks sort of say, right, I'm going to stay behind and fight, or I'm going to stay behind to stay and look after our house, and and you should leave? Did you right. get a sense of that? The vast majority of people traveling were families as a whole. There were very few single travelers or partial families traveling. It was. I think that people wanted to stick together, and so it was the vast majority of people traveling were families. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, they all stayed or, or left. Do you get a sense of how many people, you said about 2,000 people were there at the border, like of what proportion yes. of the city decided to leave for Poland? Not all the people at uh, the border were from Lviv. Um, a lot of them have been traveling since that morning from Kiev uh, and other cities in uh, central western Ukraine. Um so, yeah, I was talking to people at the border, and a lot of them were from Kiev. A lot of them were from uh, Zaporizhia. I'm pronouncing that wrong. A lot of them were from Ternopil or ivano Frankisk um, or Odessa. And uh, so I, I would not have any sort of conjecture on what percentage of the city. Also, it was still pretty early in the crisis uh, because it was still the first day, and it was fewer than 24 hours after the invasion began. So I imagine the numbers are a lot higher now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. When you were getting news, right, as you were traveling, etc., were you, like, on WhatsApp or were people on Twitter? Like, how were they getting news of what was happening? Everybody, and absolutely everybody, was completely dark during the walk um, because I don't know why, but there was no sense of cell reception. There was no sense of data reception. There was no sense of Internet connection at all during the walk. And so everybody I met... We, we asked we asked everybody we met, do you have any news? And they said, no, do you have any news? Um, so nobody had any news. Until we got to the border, some people had news. But for about, uh, about 16 hours, we were completely in the dark about what was going on. And that was terrifying because when we left, the invasion had just begun. And we didn't get to, to be updated on the first half day of it. So... Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and then on arrival, you're faced with this news of this, like, sort of blitzkrieg almost, right, of, of bombing and armor. Right. Yes. Um, I mean, we, we saw a little bit of it in the morning that day, uh, well, when we, when we started out. Um, but it had really accelerated and amplified by the time that we arrived. Um, and the Ukrainians were absolutely terrified of this because they did not realize it would happen on such a large scale. Yeah, yeah, I think very few people did. Uh, yeah, I can imagine if it's in your own country, it's petrifying. Were you there when the fighting began in the Chernobyl exclusion zone, or were you in Poland by then? When did the fighting begin in Chernobyl? Uh, I believe about 24 hours after the fighting began, like, period. I was crossing into Poland 24 hours after the fighting began, period. So I was probably crossing into Poland when that fighting began. Okay. Yeah, I was interested to know, especially how sort of the older people or people who have been alive, you know, the the nuclear accident in Chernobyl, I was wondering how they... Right. I mean, I've been talking to plenty plenty of older people. And as I mentioned, the older people especially were resigned to this because during the Soviet times, during the Cold War, this sort of thing was common. Um, and so the older people knew what was going on and the younger people were the ones who were more panicking. That's interesting. Yeah. They, they sort of, they'd been raised with a fear of that, I suppose. Right. And this happened in 1989 too. Uh, like 19, this is the biggest refugee crisis since 1989 because in 1989, uh, when all the republics fell in uh, the Warsaw Pact, uh, so many people took to the roads. And so the older people were used to that kind of thing. Um, but as I mentioned, the younger people were not, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, sort of different reactions, I guess. And then some very young people, obviously, aren't able to understand what's going on beyond that they're, they're leaving their homes, which is sad. 
Right. And especially the little children had no idea what was going on and it was impossible to explain to them. So nobody did. Um, and so I can't imagine how terrifying this must have been as a child, not knowing why you had to walk uh, dozens of hours in the cold, carrying everything you had. Yeah. It's always the saddest thing to see children in those refugee situations when they you know, obviously don't know what's going on and didn't do anything wrong. And right. Yeah. Hopefully they're all safe. Hopefully they're in Poland. Hopefully they can, go to safe places i made several uh, contacts during this yeah. trip and as i mentioned only one of one of them has gotten back to me so i hope the others get back to me soon yeah that's tough but the, you got the sense of everyone since they won't turn back per se they just uh might be sort of uh not in touch because their phones aren't charged or something like that it's either their phones aren't, aren't charged or if in the men, men's case, they were sent to the east yeah. or they're too busy trying to arrange accommodations or food for themselves or something. I mean, everybody was just very busy trying to survive. Yeah. So okay. I don't blame them if they don't if they don't hop on social media. And get yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. And um, of course, yeah, it's a very, very stressful time for everyone. Did you did you hear of anyone who has been sent to the east either secondhand or like through people you met, the people who were at the front already? Um, I do not have any contacts of anybody who was sent to the East. From what I understand, uh, the Ukrainian army has a strict uh, communication, social media sort of policy. And so none of the soldiers that I met, one wanted to talk to me. I did not talk to any Ukrainian army soldiers in uniform because uh, they had a very strict policy. They could not talk to me. And two, I could not get their contacts uh, for much of the same reason. Okay. So they didn't want to talk to journalists, didn't want to talk to anyone. They were just looking for... Yeah, no, they, they, they were just, they were very stern and they did not want to talk to anybody. So I talked to zero soldiers in uniform during this uh, experience. Okay. Yeah. So where are you now? You've, you've gone further west, west. Is that right? That's right. I took a long bus ride to uh, Krakow today, um, and so I'm now in Krakow, Poland. Oh, okay. How are folks dealing? Is it different there, being that little bit more distant? I've already talked to a few people, and uh, well, it's a Saturday night. They're going out to drink, and they uh, they're saying, "Well, yeah, it's it's terrible that this war is happening 250 uh, miles uh, east of us, but what are we supposed to do about it?" So they're going out and drinking. So it's this very um, detached sense here in Krakow, okay. not the same as it was in Prashmanville. Yeah, interesting. So people are living their normal lives, and it's just it's a news item for them. It's, they're not worried right. about any potential right. sort of spillover or fallout. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they're not worried. Nice. Um, and will you? Do you plan to stay there? What's What's next for you? So I actually just booked a flight uh, an hour ago. I'm going to be flying back to the states on March the first. Okay. Great, yeah. So you can you can come back, and presumably you're like uh, you're a U.S. passport holder, so you could just get. That's how you got through not being conscripted, etc. <laughs> I am not. I'm not carrying a U.S. passport right now. Okay. I'm carrying uh, an Italian passport um, because I'm also a citizen of Italy. And I was told before I left uh, by some friends in the intelligence community that it would look significantly less suspicious to carry an EU passport than a U.S. passport. So. I bought the EU passport. Nice, yeah. And then you can travel freely through the yes, EU. Yes, uh, through Schengen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know if Ukrainian people can travel, once? because once they're in Poland, can they then move through the Schengen zone freely? Ukraine is not a member of the EU. They're not yeah. a member of Schengen. I do not believe they can move freely. Right. I'm just wondering, like, 
I could, yeah, it would be. We, I don't know how their passports would be checked if they're going across some of those land borders, but I think they. I do know that this was it was an emergency situation right. uh, yesterday, and so that's why they were just very cursorily checked. But I'm yeah. sure it's stricter usually. Yeah, I wonder what that would be like if they if they tried to exit Poland or if they'll. Uh, right. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to them. No, I don't think. I, I'm guessing there's been no communication of that that you've seen either, right? Like of what they should do or how to apply for asylum or or anything like that. I have talked to a few people. They say that they're banking on um, these countries being empathetic to refugees. And I understand. I think that countries will be empathetic to refugees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You certainly, you certainly hope they will. But, so they're just going to hope that those countries, the ones who don't have a country to go to, uh, you get the sense that, yeah, that they'll, they'll apply for asylum wherever they can find a safe place. That's right. Um, and I believe that countries, Western European countries that have been very vocally pro-Ukraine recently, mm-hmm. um, will take them in. So I think that they'll, they'll be safe. Yeah, that's good to hear. I know I've seen estimates of up to 5 million refugees, if, yep. which yeah. would be, uh, I mean, Germany absorbed a million people from Syria, right? It's not, yeah. it's not impossible for Western European countries to do that at all. Uh, but it will. Be, but it would still be a catastrophic crisis, the worst since 1989. Yeah, so. and we, yeah, we have to hope it, it doesn't get to that. Do you get the sense people are still flowing across the border? I know you're a bit yes. distinct from it. Now. I mean, it, it, it's weird because you want to believe that what you experienced and what the people around you experienced was a one-time thing, that it was a one-time incident, that it was one caravan. But this is happening constantly, and it will continue to happen constantly for weeks. Yeah. Are there trains across the border, things like that, that people can take, or is it solely that? Yes. So when, it, when I said that I went to the train station in Lviv and there were no trains, <laughs> what was really happening is, yes, there were trains, but all the trains until March, uh, March were booked. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, pe- but people can take those trains across, that kind of thing. Uh, if they try to book right yeah. now, they won't be able to find a booking for a while. Okay. So they were already booked up. And by the way, here in Krakow... Um, the first two hostels that I went to, the first two uh, places to stay that I went to, were all booked up, and I asked why, and they said Ukrainian refugees. So there are Ukrainian refugees here in Krakow. Okay, yeah, people are moving further. I'm sure a lot of people want to get as far away as they can. Yeah, so people are just constantly moving west right now. Yeah, or they have friends or family that they're trying to get to or whatever. Okay, yes. Yeah, and I've been hearing the Ukrainian language just constantly on my trip, so. That's interesting, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for that. That's a really, really interesting insight. Is there anything else you think from your experience that people ought to hear about? Um, no, I believe I've told you everything. I've, I've retold the story uh, dozens of times since it happened, and um, I really hope that I hit all the all the right uh, notes here. Um, I, if, you, if you had to tell anything to the people who were reading or listening to this, um, Ukraine really needs weapons, yes, but they also need humanitarian aid. When I was walking all that distance with all those people, there was not a single sense of uh, food being provided to anyone, water being provided to anyone. There was no chance to go to the toilet. There was often no chance to sit down. If we could give even a chance for these people to eat something, to drink something, to have a minute of solace, um, that would mean the world to them. And so I think that we need to provide humanitarian aid to the refugees as soon as possible. Yeah. And you, you said you didn't see any organizations that you'd suggest people donate to, like you, you didn't see any of that. Is there anyone you can No, recommend? and I, I don't know. I haven't actually done the research into that. I probably should. Um, but I, uh, 
I know that the welcome committee in Poland were private citizens. They were not part of any NGO or anything. They were private citizens who were welcoming okay. us in. Yeah, I've seen some of them organizing on Facebook, so I'll try and maybe link to some of those or, or something like that so people can support. Right, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. All right, and then is there anything like you'd like to, to plug? Like, do you have, a, do you have a Twitter, right? Is there anything else you could tell us what your Twitter is? Um, I mean, so the Twitter that I'm using for this, which you've probably seen, is a temporary one. It was meant only to cover this crisis. I guess my private Twitter uh, plugged that, uh, which is, you've seen that as well, probably. Yeah. Um, it's just my name. Um, yeah, I guess uh, just plug that. And uh, I mean, thank you for everything. No, of course. Um, it's Manny Marotta with two T's, right? Yes, M-A-R-O-T-T-A. Great. Okay, we got that. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time to talk. I uh, appreciate you had a pretty difficult couple of days, so get some rest. And if there's anything else, any developments, uh, please do let me know. Give me a shout. Stellar, thank you. All right, cheers, mate. You have a good evening. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.